Welcome to A Story Most Queer, where every week we bring you a new story about queer characters and lifestyles, written by queer authors and narrated by queer voices. Pocket-sized queer stories for everyone. A Story Most Queer is brought to you by Mischief Media. This week's story is Her Name Was Dana, written by Jell Pavone, read by Leah Cornish. I had a crush on the idea of a girl named Cynthia. I didn't know her last name, but I knew that her favorite nature fact was about redwood roots. Apparently, even though redwoods can be 360 feet tall, their root systems are extremely shallow. The roots will only go down about five or six feet, but the crazy part is they'll grow 100 feet in width their roots will grow out until they find other redwood roots, and then all the roots will intertwine, fusing together. The more redwoods, the stronger the root systems, the stronger the trees. Amazing. She lost me when she made the fact into a metaphor about the power of healthy relationships. I should have known it would go badly, because the last blind date I had had was with Antonia, and that had been a disaster. You must be Antonia, I'd said at the beginning of the date, and she'd blushed slightly, just the tips of her ears, and said, call me Tony. Her voice was the kind that made you compare it to either Gravel or Scarlett Johansson, depending on your taste. It was the kind that made you wonder if she'd missed the memo about lung cancer and was still smoking a pack a day. We'd agreed to meet at the corner, somewhere public, she'd said in the chat part of the dating site, in case either of us turns out to be a murderer. As if murderers never go out in public. Once we started walking to the restaurant, she confirmed my suspicion and lit up a cigarette. I stopped in the middle of the sidewalk. Don't you know those things will kill you? What are you, my mother? No, really, they're dangerous. A lot of people die every year from it. I don't know how many exactly, but I know it's a lot. Okay, she said, more like a challenge than an appeasement. She inhaled, exhaled, blue smoke in my face. Every time you light a cigarette, you're hurting the people who care about you, Tony. I didn't know why I was being so passionate about the whole thing, when I usually couldn't muster a fuck about the tobacco industry. I try not to analyze myself too much, just as a rule. It's Antonia. We never made it to the restaurant. It was probably for the best, really, because the last time I was on a date in a restaurant had been with a Charlotte. And Charlotte was a little bit crazy, maybe. Not that I'm anyone to judge. Charlotte wasn't her name, as far as I know, but I called her Charlotte because she looked like one. Or maybe just because I liked the name and I knew I'd never have a chance to name anyone else. I wasn't the type to have a child, after all. She refused to tell me her name, even after we went on six dates. Names have power, she said, which I think was something she got from a book about Celtic fairies. So, what? I'd replied, two fingers between her legs. 
You think I don't already have power over you? I'd bend it as seductive, but I think she took it as a threat because the next night at dinner, she said, I think the stars just aren't aligned for us, which was her way of saying, I think we should see other people. I wasn't too broken up about it. I'd only stayed with her past the first date because I liked the way she laughed. She laughed like a wind chime in a sea breeze. Like the way my ex-girlfriend Beth did back when I made her laugh instead of cry. The last thing Beth said to me was, <laughs> You lying, cheating, fucking whore. But only the first part was true. I'd never cheated on her, but I did lie a lot. I just don't like cats, was the first big lie I told her, though it seemed a small lie at the time. <laughs> You're the worst lesbian I've ever met, she'd exclaimed, and then she'd laugh her windchime laugh. I didn't tell Beth that I wouldn't let her cat over because it felt too much like a step towards moving in together, and I couldn't do that, would never be able to do that. I did tell her that I'd be at the park when I'd really be at the library because I knew she liked to snoop. She thought I was cheating on her, but I was really just testing how far she'd go to evaluate my trust. Fairly far, I discovered, when I spotted her hiding behind a bush on my way home. Why are you in a bush? I said, after which she started yelling. <laughs> She was covered in leaves. I don't think she really believed I was cheating on her, but I do think we both knew we couldn't come back from bush hiding, so I appreciated that she gave us a clear out. Yes, I said, speaking my last big lie. I am. Tara, though. Tara could not be lied to. I know because I tried. She was a bad combination of honest and assertive, and she sliced through bullshit like a sharp knife through a tomato. You're really bad at metaphors, she told me when I explained the way I thought of her. But you're a pretty good judge of character. Plus, don't forget, I'm emotionally stunted and constantly sad. And then I wished I hadn't. You resent me for not letting you pretend you're fine, she said. And I took it to be condescending, though deep down I knew it wasn't. We were finished after that. Tara was easier to break up with than Shelby had been because Shelby was a self-professed romantic. Her greatest aspiration was to lie naked under the northern lights and her biggest fear was being kidnapped without her glasses on so that even if the kidnappers let her go, she would never be able to find her way home. I didn't point out the illogical nature of the fear I think she knew, and I think that's why she said it. She said a lot of things that didn't quite make sense, but they always had a lovely ring to them, which, of course, is why she said them. A lazy rose petal sea, she said as we walked through the botanic garden. I didn't say that there weren't any roses around here, even though there weren't. She expected me to say something, though, so instead... I threaded my fingers into her hair and pulled her close enough to kiss. I was always kissing her when I didn't know what to say, 
which was a lot of the time. And I think all the kissing is why she assumed I loved her. Isn't this romantic? Just the two of us in love under the stars, she said one night on my back porch. I'm, I'm not in love with you, I said instead of kissing her. Of course you are, she replied. This isn't working. We're in love. I think you need to leave. I'm in love. I'm blocking your number. She poured an entire bottle of wine onto my head, took the time to uncork it and everything. I was worried that I'd been too cruel, but then I noticed she was smiling. She tried to pretend she was hurt, but I realized the drama had her gleeful. She lived for opportunities to pour wine onto someone's head. Lindsay never thought I loved her, and she hated drama, which is why I sought her out. Maybe it's time you try dating again, my friend Margaret told me after I'd been single for a year. Try Lindsay. She hates drama. Lindsay was honest in a softer way than Tara had been, more perceptive than she was blunt. Truth or truth? She liked to ask as an alternative to truth or dare. The game scared me, but I always tried to answer truth. I don't know why. Truth, I answered once, and she closed her eyes for so long, thinking, that I wondered if she'd fallen asleep. I was brushing her hair off her face with the very tip of my ring finger when she finally spoke again. What's being in a relationship mean to you? Being in this relationship? No, just in general. It's, it's having a friend you can fuck, I said, but even as I said it, I knew it wasn't quite true. Hmm, she replied, which is what she said when she knew I was lying but didn't want to push the subject. What about for you? I didn't actually want to know, but I wanted her to keep talking so that she didn't have time to overthink what I'd said or guess what I hadn't said. Ideally, it's finding someone who's better than solitude. Someone who doesn't take energy but adds it, you know? I wasn't sure I did, but I nodded. Someone who you can sing badly in front of and not be embarrassed and read in the same room with and not be annoyed. Someone that doesn't exhaust you because being with them is as easy as being by yourself. This time, I nodded because I understood. The next morning, as we ate cereal in bed, she turned to me. You can have that kind of relationship the kind I was talking about last night. You know that, right? No, I said. And I knew it was the end. I can't. Margaret told me. She had no right to do that. I seethed, resolving to never speak to her again. If Margaret could not keep a secret, then she would be allowed none. Well, I'm glad she did, because you need to know that don't... It's just sad that I think we should break up because I brought her up. Because you're not better than solitude, 
I said, throwing her words back at her. Huh, she said, so that I'd know she didn't believe me. <laughs> I said, since I wasn't sure I believed myself. Maria wasn't soft at all. Wasn't anything like Lindsay. And I appreciated that. She wasn't really much of anything, to be honest. I'd be with her all night and not remember a word of our conversations. I couldn't tell you the color of her eyes. Her hair was the kind of dirty blonde that was almost beige. And her personality was as beige as her hair. She was the kind of person you could forget about with alarming ease. The first time I met her, she talked for 15 minutes without pausing for a reply. And I thought, she would be so easy to never see again. And I thought, eventually, she'll need to pause to breathe. And that's when I'll ask her out. Thank you for listening to A Story Most Queer. Her Name Was Dana was written by Jell Pavone. This story was read by Leah Cornish. This episode was edited by Leah Cornish. Our outro music is Realm Daytime by Perrytune. If you like the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. You can follow us on social at A Story Most Queer, all one word, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd like to submit a story, head over to astorymostqueer.mischiefmedia.com to read over our FAQs and fill out the form. You might hear your story on here sometime soon. You can also check out mischiefmedia.com for the other shows on our network. If you want to listen to two women business owners talk about running a business and the bumps along the way, check out Make New Mistakes out every other Friday. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week for another Story Most Queer. <laughs>